0: This week's episode of Developer Voices kind of unifies a few of the biggest reasons that people get into programming in the first place. You've got a love of learning new things. You've got the fun of solving puzzles and technical challenges. And you've also got the very real need to find a good job. I've always considered that we're very lucky in this profession that we can combine those three things fairly successfully. So this week, we're going to take a peek into the world of competitive coding solving algorithmic challenges against the clock. You can do it solo, you can do it as a team sport. And while you're definitely going to pick up a few very useful tips for gaming programming interviews, we're mostly talking about the game for the game's sake. How can we play with computers? How can we play better? And where's the most fun to be had? Joining me to discuss it is a veteran of the competitive coding world, and these days a coach to younger teams, Matisse Emel. And I think by the end of this, he'll have you convinced that he could ace any programming interview that's based on algorithmic tests, that that's probably not the right way to interview new candidates, but we're going to carry on doing it anyway. And most of all, that if we focus too much on coding to get the job, we'll be missing out on a whole lot of fun. So let's get into it. I'm your host, Chris Jenkins. This is Developer Voices, and today's voice is Matisse Samel. With me today, coming live from France. It's Matisse ML. Matisse, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm very well, yes. Enjoying the warm weather we seem to be unusually having on the continent. Yeah, same. We have a
1: lot of heat right now, but I think it's more bearable than yours.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we over in England we buckle quickly under the hot weather. <laughs> but enough weather. Um I, I got you. I got you in because you've got such a varied CV there are like a million and one things we could talk about we're going to get on to the actual topic but you've been like head of se- cybersecurity for capgemini you've done talks on quantum computing you've um give me your history and try and give me a unifying thread of what you're interested in <laughs> yes um well the unifying thread i think it's pretty simple is i'm very tech
1: curious so anything that's yeah. that makes me think, wow, this, this is an interesting topic. I just get into it and sometimes I make it into a job, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I've always been fond of anything, especially related to competition. I'm like, I'm not doing that like to beat others and show myself that I'm better than others, but, um, just the fact that I have, you know, this spirit of competition and, uh, actually playfulness. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I've, I've worked in AI. Uh, my first, uh, my first job was in, in AI. Then I moved to, um, cybersecurity. Yes. That's one thing I've been exploring for a long time I've, uh, since I was in high school, I think. And, um, now I'm more on the I'd say technical recruitment and competitive programming sites, um, which is also competitive programming. I think we're going to talk about that into yeah. more detail. But uh, I've been enjoying that for like ten years. I'd say.
0: I can see, I can see, like a competitive thing in in AI, especially like game based AI. as natural competition there. Cybersecurity is kind of a, a geeks war. Between two different sides, but the the world I really have no experience of, even though it's obviously competitive, is uh, competitive coding. Yeah. So, uh, other than you know um, those algorithms you were supposed to learn at university, do those really fast? That's that's <laughs> the whole of my knowledge of it. So take me through what it's what it's what it's like to be on a competitive coding team.
1: So um competitive programming, if um I think the most um common experience people will have will be um, in some websites like uh, Code Wars, or Code Forces, Coding Game. Mm-hmm. I work for Coding Game, by the way, but I enjoy a lot of our competitors as well. Um and also you have advent of code, which by some people is played competitively. Uh, like myself, I enjoy doing that as fast as I can. Um, so yeah, the, the principle is really simple, actually it's, um, the format varies, but, um, you have maybe two or five or 12 hours to solve a set of problems. As fast as you can and as many problems as you can. So usually you will have like gradually increasing difficulties. Mm. And um yeah, you you are ranked based on the time and the number of problems you solve, basically.
0: Advent of code, I know, right? As like the thing I love about that is the programming puzzles. Right. And sometimes it takes me most of the day to finally crack it and then you look at the leaderboard and there's somebody who got up at 3am and cracked it within two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I I am one of those people. <laughs> how do you become a person like that? I'm, I, I'm not sure I'm ever going to get up at 3am and do knapsack algorithms in three minutes, but if I wanted to, <laughs> would I get to that level?
1: Um, I'd say it's, uh, I'm not really sure actually how, how you like really get into that. I'm um just the idea of um you know getting the best out of what i can do and really trying trying my best to yeah to crack one puzzle as fast as i can and um, get really get my brains going um is one thing that keeps me going in the kind of training even though i don't really consider um anything i do being training it's more like i play and over time, I get better at uh, doing that. Hmm. Um, so you know, there's not really like a, two phases, like one competition and one practice, where I just do um, so something really specific over and over. But um, how do you get um, into that? I think it's just like, oh, I played that; it, it felt good. I mean, let's do another one next week or something, and that's uh, that's it
0: you just keep playing the game over and over and eventually get better
1: yeah that's that's about it well you at some point you'll and and it will usually come very fast you'll realize that you need to have like theory and you need to read some stuff and like uh, read some books or papers or whatever to actually get what you need and learn what you need but Uh, it's mostly practicing and so mostly playing. And it's, it's also a very good thing because I, I I don't think I would have like the willpower to do like 12 hours of practicing before any contest (laughs) or anything. Uh, so my training is just more competing, which is, uh, very efficient for me because I, I really love competing
0: and not really training, I guess you're not trying to get to the very top of the podium you just love being in the game
1: yeah that's that's about it and yeah. over time you'll after doing like <clears throat> sorry after doing like all of them you'll get better inevitably so even not uh, even if i'm not trying I'll, I'll get better and better rankings and so
0: that's that's also very satisfying to to get that what's it what's the actual experience like cuz i my my impression of these things is you read a puzzle and it's dressed up in some fancy way but eventually the penny drops and you realize oh this is the a star algorithm and then you try and remember how to implement a star and is it like that yeah that's mm,
1: it depends some i'd say the easier competitions are like this so they disguise an algorithm that's exactly as it's designed like in any book or something so you just need to find which which one to apply to whatever problem you need hmm. but for more advanced stuff it's more like okay this um I, It it's really it really depends but it's usually a way of applying a family of algorithms and you need to actually create your own algorithm so I'm i'm not really sure i have an easy example but one, one very classic one is, um, dynamic programming, which is basically one way of modeling mathematically and, and a problem. And mm. this modeling is really not standard, uh, based on different problems. The way of, um, like actually computing the solution based on the formulas you create, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's always the same, but creating those and, um. Actually, cracking that that little thing that allows you to detect what exactly you need to do is is actually the heart of the problem. And usually, it's on the more difficult side. In when uh, when you're playing easier competitions, it's either algorithms. So usually, it's pretty simple algorithms like yeah, you mentioned like uh, graph uh, path search or uh, shortest path and yeah. things like this uh or it's uh something we call speed coding which is very very simple exercises that only need implementation basically so the a good example for that would be like the first five to ten days of advent of code which usually you don't need to know a lot of algorithms to solve
0: yeah yeah you you can sort of mentally brute force those ones right and then they gradually ramp up the difficulty to where you need to be up to speed with some of the latest papers. Sometimes,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it. Yes, and so, so sometimes you immediately know what you need to know, what you need to do, and this is what you actually implement. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's pretty complicated. I've I've had like speak, speed coding exercises with like a hundred lines of Python, for example. It doesn't mean that it's very like easy to do and very fast but the algorithm it's pretty simple and you could do that by hand and Hmm. some other times yes you need to like identify actually the algorithm that's hiding behind that and this requires a bit more uh, knowledge and oftentimes if you are competing it also requires knowing a few tricks to code them faster so for example for advent of code Mm. Um in the last like three editions I've played, I haven't coded a single graph algorithm because I'm using libraries. I'm I'm so I'm defining my graphs. Yeah. Um I'm using Network X in Python, which is super efficient for that. And yeah, i I'm, I'm just modeling my stuff and let the algorithms coded by other
0: people better than me, uh, do the job. So you're, these days you're going into Advent of Code, which for those that don't know is like twenty five, twenty four daily programming puzzles leading up to Christmas. Right? These days you're going into that with your pre prepared, hand tailored library. Like yeah, a chef I mean, with all his tools at arm's length. I, I have a template. It's it's
1: not that big. It's like fifty lines long, but mm. it does. Um, three very important things. It's so I have in the first lines of the code, I have imports of the most common stuff and I have a few defined functions. For example, one that, uh, parses a list of numbers that are so I, I give the, that function a string, uh, containing numbers separated by spaces and it gives me back a list containing these integers. Um, so this, this kind of, uh, easy functions also like, I define constants for, for example, the four directions. So up, right, down, and left. So with oh, yeah. the deltas uh, in each direction, stuff like this, that I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to use in that competition. So this is the first thing, um, pre, pre-imported pre and prepared uh, code. Also, I have um, a part with my cookie, uh, my session cookie on the website, which allows me to do... Uh, download the problem statement. Uh, no, not really the problem statement because I read it on the web, but download automatically the input for that day, yeah. put that in a string, and then I can process it, process it instantly instead of doing what everybody normal does, which <laughs> is downloading the inputs, putting yeah. that in a file, opening the file, reading that. It It loses you. Even if you code fast, this can lose you a minute. And a minute is like, way too much in that, in that space. <laughs> and that's an easy gain of uh time other people do way more extreme stuff to gain like five seconds i don't like go what? to these lengths but uh yeah i think i'm pretty optimized and of course the third part of my template does the submitting of the
0: result and so, oh, so I automated it to that degree sorry You've automated it to that degree. Just yeah, I mean ev-
1: everything that's done every day or that's I have to do frequently, I have it prepared so I can so I don't lose time actually doing the implementation of mm. whatever I need to do.
0: Do you have a similar thing for like so? There's the ICPC, which is the big international coding contest. Can you wander in there with your pre-prepared library? Um yes and no
1: so the icpc has much different rules Uh, so first of all it's uh, student only okay um so i used to play i have played uh twice in the icpc regional qualifiers it's not really that impressive because it's open to everybody uh the first time i played actually was uh absolutely terrible uh we weren't prepared we got the news that we our team had their spot we got the news 5 days before uh, and it was in another country so we <laughs> that yeah. was a, a lot of stuff to prepare even on logistics so we weren't really prepared and in the team we were two french guys and one german guy so language barrier um <laughs> i was coding in python my fellow french uh, friend was coding in c++ and the german guy was in java so yeah that's a lot of um <laughs> incompatibility and inefficiencies uh especially combined with uh, not training a lot but yeah uh, as i right. mentioned uh, it's played in teams of three yeah. i think it's yeah it's pretty much the only no no it's not the only but it's it's one of the rare um, competitions where you play in teams another classic example would be a google hash code which Rest in peace because it's uh, it's been shut down by Google. Mm. But yeah, th- there's not a lot of competitive programming played in Teams. This one is also very specific because you have five hours to solve between 12 and 15 problems, and you don't have internet access, and you only have one computer.
0: Oh, um, you have so- chat GPT
1: though, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but uh one thing you're allowed and the only external resource that you're allowed to have is mm-hmm. one notebook that's i think you're allowed 25 pages of whatever you want so usually you will have most of the classic algorithms that you're not like coding by heart. Um, so a few like string matching algorithms that you use in very specific cases and stuff like this. Yeah. Um, it's actually, you don't, you usually don't really need this notebook. It's only for safety. I've used it once. It was okay. for a convex hull algorithm, which I think we would have gotten, but, uh, it's, m- there is much more comfort in having that prepared in your notebook. Some yeah. teams, some teams will, um have their template and uh copy that at, at the beginning of the contest because you start on a computer that's uh basically brand new like it's a, there's a fresh new install so you don't have any files and you are only allowed to touch the computer when the contest starts so it's okay. basically you have to choose um either you start coding immediately or you have someone start uh implementing your whole um templates or like 300 lines of prepared functions and stuff to get faster later. Right. But, um, usually the teams will not do that.
0: I instantly thinking I would lose a lot of time to just setting up my favorite editor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, so first, yeah, you're, you're allowed to ask for any specific IDE you want in that content, which is good, but usually it's even, um, even in that case, we usually use very simple stuff like Sublime Text or uh, VS Code because um, there's three teammates and it's not really common to have all three teammates use the same IDE in their daily life. So yeah. usually we pick the more s- simple and common stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it. But yeah, you have a practice uh, day before. So you, you have... You have a shorter contest on the day before, which is, um, two hours and you are in the same conditions. So you have like your notebook, uh, you have, um, the same blank computer. That's allows you to understand how to get started. Also make a few submissions on the, on the judge website right. to make sure that everything's working and stuff. And so the, and this is the only part of the contest where the contestants are allowed to chat with their coaches on the real contest we are in another building
0: the coaches so there is actually like a, a coach on court yeah the first I'm, day and now nowadays i'm a coach so
1: I'm, I'm not a student anymore so i've been coaching my former team uh, so it's well former team actually it's my my university where I uh, I gra- graduated from, I coach them still. So the team changes basically every year because once people graduate, they can't be in the team anymore. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, very nice to have like fresh blood people yeah. to work with and teach them how to get better. It's also very frustrating because sometimes you lose like a great element. Uh, one of the, the best students graduates or goes into academic exchange because we, we have a lot of Erasmus exchange, uh, programs. Right. And so they leave oftentimes it, they leave for the last year. So actually we, we have uh, students up until fourth year and all the fifth year students leave to go, to go abroad and oftentimes they compete competing in their own universities.
0: Do you know, I'm, this, is, this is off topic, but I'm thinking of all those like Disney movies where a coach comes in and coaches the team to great success. And They've got loads of those for every sport. Right. And this is a missing gap in the Disney stockpile. <laughs> yeah, we should make a, a movie about competitive programming, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so We've got all those feel good success stories you want.
1: Yeah. On a very niche uh, audience, but uh, I think it will work.
0: I love niche audiences. We live in them, right? <laughs> okay, so, but, okay, how does this actually play out? If you've got a team of three, you said it was 12 to 15 questions. Three people yeah. sit down and they don't, they're not even using the same programming language. What do you do? Do you race through the list of questions and the Java guy says, I'll have that one and that one and that one?
1: So, well, um, first of all, having three different languages is not really a good idea in a team. It was just because we made our team last minute. Uh, usually we'll try to have people on the same language and also people speaking the same language because we also have incoming exchange students. And so usually we'll have one team that speaks only in English. Um, (laughs) and so you, so the problems are given to you in. Uh, in random order so you don't uh, know which ones are easier so the first step is to actually read through all of them and find out which one or two are, are the easiest so we call them ad hoc problems which um will be the ones you really need to start coding first because there is also a time element basically your score is you are ranked the team is ranked based on the number of problems they solved so Mm -hmm. usually the most like the bulk of the competition solves between two and five problems when you start getting into six seven eight nine it's really like the top 20 percent or something so most of the teams will not solve half the problems and um You really need to get um, started fast because it's, um, yeah, the rule is pretty weird to explain, but there's in case of a tie. So, for example, other teams that solved four problems, uh, they will be ranked based on a time penalty, which is basically you take the sum of the times of submissions of the um, problems. So Mm -hmm. you have solved one problem after five minutes. Another after 20 minutes, that's a 25 minute penalty. And so right. you, you have to get fast, especially on the first problems and you have to submit them in the first minutes. So the first part is actually searching very fast. So you split usually 12 problems, uh, to three people, it's uh, <laughs> perfect. Uh, you have four problems each and uh, you try to find uh, the easiest problem in the problem set, basically yeah and one person will actually get started coding on that and submitting that as fast as they as they can. Usually it takes the first correct submission takes maybe one or two minutes max
0: so from from the gate opening yes, jeez oh, <laughs> okay <laughs> that's really far. I mean, they must be going at breakneck speed. Do you get people drilling their typing speed as well? Yeah, there's um, Uh, warm-up. I've known some people who've
1: like, who warmed up actually before their contest. They do like typing stuff. They're only typing words. I think they they should do that with code. But um, just to get their fingers warm. I I don't really do that kind of exercises. Uh, I think, same, it's like a lot of effort to gain like six seconds or something. It's I'm not really into that but uh, some some people really need also to get in in
0: that spirit so like um get focused and stuff so that's So fun. how far up the rankings did you get with this obviously very into it but fairly casual attitude um so in the european
1: qualifiers with uh my my best uh, so in the european championship basically um which in the southwest of Europe is called Swerc, so S-W-E-R-C, which is a qualifier for the World Finals. The World Finals, there's like a hundred teams. in In southwestern Europe, we'll usually have like three or four of these spots. Uh, yeah. Many of those come from Russia. Uh, many yeah. of the world finalists, but um, make- in the European qualifiers, my uh, the year last year I played. Uh, there were, I think, 120 teams, and we ended up 24th. So pretty happy with the result. That's and well, I've um, it's been like five years now. Um, but this year I've been also playing Advent of Code competitively. The thing is, um, they get released at uh, midnight Eastern Time in the US, right. which yeah. is 6 a.m. here in France. And, um, I'm not waking up, waking up at 6 AM every morning. That's not something I'm doing in December. So, (laughs) um, I cannot compete on the global, on the global leaderboards because to avoid, um, cheating and stuff, they time everybody starting from the release of the problem, which is perfectly normal. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't compete because people usually complete it in like five to 15 minutes, usually most of the days. Um, So I cannot play it whenever I wake up. So what what I've been doing uh, was having like a virtual timer, which is a Chrome extension that times um, the moment, between the moment I open a problem statement until the moment I um, finally solve the problem. And so it allows me, to basically know my ranking if I were playing at six a.m. every day,
0: right? Yeah. Um,
1: and yeah, this year I've been uh, pretty successful. I, I'm pretty sure if uh, I was in the top one hundred. Uh, let me search. I, I think I have my actual virtual ranking.
0: Because um, these are I've I mean I've played Advent of Code seriously some years, casually others, and but then then. Speeds of the top ranked players just astonish me. Yeah,
1: but there are people our...
0: solving it before I've finished reading the problem statement. <laughs> I just checked if I were
1: playing uh, normally, I would have been 46th on the global leaderboard.
0: Really, this recent year? Yeah. This is Last a huge day. number of competitors for Advent of Code.
1: Yeah, I've been, uh, let me check, my best ranking was, I think, yeah, one, one day I was uh, 14th globally. From virtual 14th. Took me, yeah, took me oh. six minutes uh, to solve both parts. Um, if if you want to compete with me uh, at home, it was on day 18.
0: Day 18 of 22.
1: Yeah, oh sorry, it took me eight minutes. That's six minutes between parts one and two.
0: Okay, I'm gonna link to that particular problem in the show notes. Um, <laughs> nice. If you have a look at that as a listener, I'm sure you'll see quite how fast that is because they get harder and harder as the as the clock yeah. goes on so day 18 is a lot harder right
1: um well that one i think must have been very easy because day 19 took me an hour and
0: 19 minutes <laughs> <laughs> very easy as relative depending on your skill set <laughs> this is huge fun but weirdly for you it seems to have translated into a spot in your career right
1: Yeah, I've been, um, so yeah, there's not a lot of work in uh, competitive programming or cybersecurity for that matter because I've been been enjoying that a lot in the past as well. There's not really a lot of um, work. I mean, people want you to build websites or apps uh, to make money. They don't want you to like... Yeah, well, great! You've been fiftieth place on the Advent of Code. Wow, that's <laughs> wow! We're really gonna earn money from that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's. Um, but I've managed to find some interesting stuff. So for uh, competitive programming, uh, my current job, I kind of do that. Um, I also now, I'm an independent consultant, and so I do work with one of the biggest providers of coding contests in Europe, um which is called Isograd. Um hmm. uh, and they what especially in France they make like most of the big competitions and so now I'm um I I create the problems and I proofread those from other uh, uh redactors. So yeah I I'm kind of on the other side. I was first a participant then a coach and now I'm actually in the creators. Um I've actually also participated in um, finals of Google Code Jam as kind of oh, um, a yeah. volunteer because I was interning at Google the first year uh, Code Jam was in Dublin and I was there in uh, in Dublin. And when they requested for volunteers, I was, of course I was in. So that was also a nice experience. Um, and also in cybersecurity as well. I, There there weren't any jobs in competitive cybersecurity, so I made mine. I went to, so I, I, we were in charge of, uh, so with my, as a freelancer, uh, with my brother, we were in charge of organizing a big contest for Capgemini in France. And we met the director of cybersecurity and we were like, let's do more stuff together. And so I actually ended up working there for two years. And one of my jobs was to create the first semi-professional, uh, CTF team. So competitive cybersecurity teams. Uh, so I had seven people in the team plus me, um, who were basically paid one day a week to train and compete in public events to, yeah, to basically get the name of the company out and be like, uh, it, it's also good employer branding because, um, now students because it's played a lot by students. Um they realize okay this is a good team I I kind of want to play with them they are good I want to work there. Yeah. And so we actually got a few few candidates coming from that source and we were also paid to have fun and travel Europe so it was very nice. Nice work
0: if you can get it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah okay so that's almost getting into the like those sponsored esports teams. Uh, I'm, I don't think we're,
1: uh, it's, it's a bit pessimistic, but we, we've been trying for years to have like, um, something that looks good visually for competitive technical competitions. It's very hard to do because video games or even maybe chess or go or whatever competitive thing you can see online or on TV. Mm. It's very visual. You can understand, not really like with a deep level of, of analysis, but understand who's winning and who's not. And it's very active and you have like this action in competitive programming. The, um, basically the thing you can have is watching, watching a screencast of the teams or the, or of the players, which is interesting if you are into that and you can understand what they're doing. Yeah but they're like they'll be playing in, in other languages and stuff. So even people of my level, I can't really understand what they're doing if they're coding in C, for example.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
1: And so the, the basically the only thing you, you have left would be their uh leaderboard. So the leaderboard once once a problem is submitted or something, you see the update and you see, oh congrats, they moved up. And that's basically it, but it's super boring to watch. Actually, there's a, <laughs> there's like one update per minute, uh, especially at the end of the contest. So in, in the European championships, the mm-hmm. first, I think more than half the problems, more than half the submissions happen in the first hour. Uh, and so the rest the next four hours, it's the pace, uh, goes down and down and until like every team is basically stu- stuck stuck um so we've tried to find ways to make this watchable and interesting but yeah we haven't cracked the code yet and (laughs) if anyone at home does have an idea please get in touch and we're we're gonna be rich but for (laughs) now
0: my solution is to let people gamble on it if enough people gamble on it then someone will figure out a way to televise it
1: yeah, true. But there's like, there's one player you would always gamble on, and you would always win. Called, oh, really? Yeah, Gennady Korolevich is. Um, his nickname is uh tourist, tourist, and he's the best player in the world by far. Every, oh, really? Every every contest he plays, he he wins. Basically, he's won like six Google Code jams in a row. He's won, yeah. In, oh, James! Every He's, I think he's won the world championships twice. The reason being he, uh, um, that you cannot play more than twice in the world finals. So he won <laughs> twice. And the following year, actually, he went back and, um, so he wasn't allowed to compete, but yes. he went back to stream the contest. Uh, so I think he was a coach or something. And so he live streams himself. Solving the contest with his two friends, which are also very good, and mm. he made a like much better performance than any of the teams <laughs> and so this guy he's uh, yeah he's basically invincible in in competitive programming right also in um so i I practice a lot on code forces, which um resembles a lot um the setup of um world championships and uh, European championships. And usually you have like 10 to 20,000 people playing each contest. So there's like contests twice a week or something, which mm. lasts uh, two hours. And this guy, um, if he doesn't finish first, he will actually go down in ranking. Uh, so there's like kind of an ELO system. And he, if he I like finishes, the chess ranking thing. Yeah, Yeah. If he finishes second out of 20,000 people he will actually lose points. <laughs> so that's how far up he is. Well, maybe now it has changed. I I've not heard of him in a, in a while but uh uh yeah, maybe. he's um he used to be excellent. I'm sure it's still the same today.
0: Maybe he's retired. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I mean, it sounds like you're saying you're not going to get to that level any day soon, or no one is, and I'm certainly not, but I do enjoy these kind of coding puzzles. Have you got any tips for me to get from like i can do I can do them in the day to I can knock them out quickly um, so I have
1: two things um one is if you want to get better at? thinking of a solution fast and implementing that as quickly as you can. And the other tip would be on how to expand your horizons and broaden your knowledge to be able to solve more problems. Um, So to do um, this kind of fast solving things and get better at uh, speed coding, Mm. would be um, Clash of Code, which is a game mode on Coding Game. So again, I work for Coding Game and I've been a user, a happy user for six years now. Um, And um, we have this format, which um, you have a 15... So you have a room with eight people. Uh, It's eight real people. Mm. There's a lot of people playing. So you'll usually wait not more than like 30 seconds before the room fills up. There's people of every level. So we don't really match people with uh, se- a similar skill. And that's also to allow people to progress learning from people better than them. Okay. Um, and so this, you have a 15 minute problem. Um, usually if it's like a, a simple one, it usually takes not more than like two minutes for the best players to solve it. Um, and yeah, you have, a very simple it's it's very much like advent of code um you can code in any language you want and Mm. the goal so we have three goals but mostly it's be the fastest we also have like more formats which is um make the shortest code Uh, so here you have actually to learn other languages that's why i actually Started learning Ruby a while ago um, because Ruby is more efficient at code golf, so at short code. Uh, right. And also, we have one one other mode which is also fastest. Uh, so you need to do the fastest code, but you don't have the problem statement. You only have the test cases, so input and mm-hmm. expected output, and yeah. you have to kind of guess what you need to do. So usually, it's like processing numbers and finding like the right formula, like you add a plus b and you multiply by right. c or something it's uh, but it also gets your, your your brain going but most of the time you'll you'll find um, fastest problems. so you a normal problem that you have to solve as fast as possible and this is good to actually set your brain in a mode that makes you think about a solution instantly as uh, while you're parsing the problem you're already getting the solution and you can start coding um, as fast as you can and um, this is also very very helpful for coding interviews I've uh, yeah. my, my story is always that I've uh, played this uh, so Clash of Code on Coding Game for a week straight before my Google interviews <laughs> and then I aced them so I got the internship there um, and um, yeah this this is um, so to, to Really get um, good at speed coding and solving more simple problems. Uh, this is a very very good way because also you can read after the after the fifteen minutes ends. You can read your competitors' codes and you can often uh, discuss. We have a Discord as well, and it's it's a very open community. There's yeah. not a lot of actually like very strong competition and oh I hate my opponent and stuff. Right. We're all friends in that world and it's it's actually not really competing. I, I should rather say playing. It's really game. Yeah. And so for, for my second piece of advice to how to get better at actually more complex algorithms, but it also works actually for the, the more simple stuff. Mm. Uh, but what the better players do to improve is called upsolving. So you play a contest, so Usually it's on code forces, uh, the, the more. So we have a lot of others, but code forces, I think is the main one. You play a contest. It lasts two hours. You have six problems also. And usually you, so it's in divisions. Uh, so if you're like between that and that ranking, you will play in this range of problems. So actually there's like per competition, you have like 12 problems but yep. you only see six of them uh, depending on the kind of the window depends on where you are ranked because you're not going to ask uh, like world-class player to solve the very easiest problem Right. and for the, the more, more beginner we're only going to show them the easiest six problems and it's usually more than enough to get you stuck right it's it's you already start a bit on a um, more difficult problem. So usually you can solve like maybe three out of the six. Mm. And the thing is after the event, so you have read usually one or two problems above what you actually managed to do. And this, uh, these two problems, you are gonna read the solution. So uh, it's usually published in the form of an editorial. So the author of the problem will publish just a few lines to explain the solution. You also have the code, but you don't really have to read it. The most important thing is read the solution, understand it, because it's much easier to come up with, uh, to read a solution than to come up with a solution to any given problem. And yeah. so what you do is you make sure you understand that, and then you go back to your editor, you code the solution as you understood it, and make sure that's you managed to solve that. Uh, and so you submit after the event and uh, you you check that your solution implemented was correct. And that means you learned something at that point and you learned how to go just a bit above your level. And so by doing yeah. that over and over, it will teach you a lot and a lot, uh, especially patterns that come back often. And sometimes you see like, okay, there's a list I have to count, whatever. And you're like, okay, I know this is a permutation problem. I know about uh, permutation signatures or something that I didn't know about. So this and that and that. And it allows you to really um, strengthen your skill set in algorithms.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gradually, like continually just finding out where the edge of your personal knowledge envelope is and stepping beyond that. It seems to me those two tips kind of split into... um, Like speed coding, right? It's kind of, tell me if you think this is true, but it's kind of the speed coding is only really useful for gaming job interviews, which, in my opinion, aren't great interview techniques for figuring out how good you'd actually be at the job. The other side, the second tip, is actually going to expand your toolkit for programming in the real world?
1: Mm, I'd say yes and no. Um, First of all, because you are seeing the, only useful skill is the one I don't enjoy. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a speed coder, actually. Okay. Um, so, but no, actually, yes, I, I completely agree with the fact that it's an easy way to kind of cheat coding interviews. I'm, mm. I'm not a good developer. I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm a, I would say I'm a great speed coder, but I'm not a good um, developer in general. Uh, yeah, because I can get any job I want if they only test for, um, simple problem solving, which is 99% of interviews. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, it's also playing competitive programming and It's uh, and speed coding especially, it's not useless um, in the way that it will teach you a lot of things about your own language and making you more comfortable with coding. So I, for example, I don't need to check any documentation for... If if I'm coding something in Python, Mm. all the built-ins, I know them by heart, the arguments and stuff. So I don't need to go check that. It makes also more sense in my head, like when I need to implement a function that does something pretty simple. I don't need to think really hard about it. I kind of know the best way to do that um, in terms of efficiency and stuff. Mm. Um, But yeah, that's, that's true that it's... More like a game than than any other thing if if you do that in in with the only intent to be a better programmer, I would say just do other stuff C- code your own side projects you're gonna progress much faster but hmm. if you're like having fun um, that's that's um, more like it and yeah it's uh, I, I don't consider that a way of really Improving a lot compared to the, the time you spend on that. It's more of um, finding your boundaries and uh, playing very hard stuff and like bashing your head for two hours on, on a given problem and then having it dawn on you in your sleep. Uh, it happens to me a lot. I, uh, I, yeah. When that I was is. practicing for the European Championships, I used to often dream about algorithm problems (laughs) that i kind of made up in my head and during my my dream and in my dream i was like oh this is a very hard problem it's very interesting and uh, and i wake up and i'm like oh no the the problem actually is interesting but it's very easy to solve Uh, but uh, (laughs) yeah it's it's uh, pretty funny to you know find um find a way of a game. Uh, I mean, it's like playing sports actually. It's yeah. if, if you want to be a pro in that, there's like a hundred people that are pro in that in the world maybe. And that's, that's it. But if you, if you want just that for fun and to do something that you're good at already, well, that's, that's
0: a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not every single thing in the universe has to be about productivity, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, okay, that's that sounds... Uh, one other thing I was going to ask you, because, I mean, I found Advent of Code. I keep coming back to Advent of Code because that's my reference point for this. I found it a lot of fun. I'm okay at it. I'm not great, I, but I do it for fun. Sometimes I do it to, like, exercise a new language they want to learn because it's a yes, force of A
1: lot of people will actually do that. To learn a new language, you, you solve a few puzzles in that first to... Mm make that easier on yourself because coding like a several thousand line projects from scratch on a new language, it's going to be very painful and you are going to regret the choices you made at the (laughs) very beginning and stuff. Whereas you solve puzzles, your code is like 20 lines. You throw it away at the end and you throw it away once, uh, you know, you get all the test cases passing and you get better after that, but you're not like, haunted by the mistakes of the past and when when you were st- starting um, to learn so and that's also a good way to have like atomic problems that you don't need like very specific stuff to do so for example if you're building a side project you're gonna spend most of the time trying to figure out okay i'm going to use like this framework and so i need this to make the connections between my database and the code and stuff so it's mostly like configuration and figuring out which libraries are used and stuff yeah whereas you solve simple puzzles and small competitions you're gonna have the only the distillate of that and you're gonna yeah. have pure code pure um it's uh yeah pure functional i, I wouldn't say uh
0: it's it's a confusing
1: term but yeah that's uh isolated
0: that's into a specific the nice thing about that too is side projects they're almost infinite if they go well they keep growing it's nice to have something that occasionally has a definite end <laughs> yes yeah. and i I'm, I'm doing only that basically i i have a very few side projects actually
1: but um yeah when i'm bored or something i just i can just go on any website that i enjoy and say, okay, today I'm going to move up in ranking because also I enjoy solo playing, which is not truly competitive, which, um, one, two examples. So coding game, we have that like a XP system, you solve a problem, you get like that amount of XP and then you've got levels. Um, one website that really has mastered this, I think is code wars, which you yeah, have like right. problems with Kiyu and so it's like belts that you move up. And so sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm going to move like half a level up today. <clears throat> and so I set up my mind of, on a few problems that would allow me to do that. And just having this kind of satisfaction and it really shows you, okay, now you are better than you were before coming here. And yeah. this is, this is really satisfying as well.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite kind of competition, competing with the version of me that didn't make the effort.
1: True, yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, are those your top recommendations for where I should? Because the thing about Advent of Code, it's great, but it's only one month a year, and it's the busiest month of the year, <laughs> which is, which has destroyed my Christmases once or twice. You, you can play the archive. You can, I can play, play the archive. I, where um, would you go for the most fun?
1: Oh, um where I have the most fun, well I would say um coding game, but it's not a sponsored uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm I really enjoy the, the website and everything it has to offer. Um especially Clash of Code, which is my favorite format of all the website. We have also um a very unique uh format which is um AI competition. So basically you have like, um, board game, um, yeah. any, any kind of game. Usually we take inspiration from actual uh, board games or we just make our own. It's a small video game that's on the window on the left and mm-hmm. you have to code an AI that drives itself and tries to win the game against another AI. And we have, oh, yeah. uh, twice a year, a big competition on that. And we also have, if you want to solo practice, we have like a hundred of those. If uh, so, there's like chess. If you want to learn how a chess AI is made, you, you won't beat Stockfish, of course, okay. but it's uh, fun to learn how different kind of AIs work and stuff. Okay. Uh, so, this is my where usually where I go for fun and for more hardcore um, competitive programming, code forces would be my, my recommendation. Okay, the for- UI is. Um, debatable it's a bit <laughs> weird but uh, <clears throat> yeah it's uh, it's the content is extremely good
0: okay I'm going to go and check them out I've been wanting to sharpen some of my Gleam programming skills mm-hmm. so I might head there and I'm going to log in anonymously because I don't want anyone listening to see my times <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works <laughs> well, on that note Matisse thank you very much for joining us thank you for having me Thank you, Matisse. I'll put links to all the sites that he mentioned into the show notes. So if you want to go and play with one of those coding challenge sites, that's the place to look. We've also got a few back episodes of this podcast covering new and interesting languages like Gleam and Kotlin and Gren and some others. So if you want a new language to pair with your new programming challenge site, that could be the right place to look. All we need now is a sommelier to choose the right wine to pair with them. That'd be awesome another day perhaps. As ever, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like and rate and share and subscribe. And while I'm thinking about it, someone told me yesterday that we weren't on Amazon podcasts, which I didn't know about, but we are now. I fixed it and we're there now. So this podcast should be available on all the platforms that you like. But if there's a favorite one that's missing, please do let me know. My contact details are always in the show notes. And with that... I think it's time for us to all run off and play. Until next week, I've been your host, Chris Jenkins. This has been Developer Voices with Matisse Amel. Thanks for listening.